Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving? Did you survive Black Friday? No. Those people are crazy, right? I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to start shopping at midnight tonight for eight hours on my computer. Not sleep, right? I'm going to do the right thing. Uh, grab your Bibles, open, it, open those to Philippians chapter 2. That's where we'll be today, Philippians chapter 2. Now, this is the last message in our belief series. We've been in this together for a while now. Right? We looked at 10 weeks of core beliefs of a Christian. What do we believe? Right? What are some foundational beliefs of the Christian faith? And then we looked at some uh, 10 actions, you know, how to live our lives based off of those beliefs. And we spent the past, this is week number 10, so we spent the past 10 weeks uh, talking about who are we becoming, right? So we believe certain things, we do certain things, and through that process, what's the end result, right? What comes out of the oven and, and what God uses in this world to influence and affect others for our good and His glory, Right, we've been looking at those things. And today, all of these have been important topics. All of these have been important lessons for us. Today, we're going to be talking about another important lesson, and that's humility. Humility. It's so important. Now, I personally, personally, I personally struggle with humility. And I'm not sure why that is. But as I was studying, preparing for this message, you know, for uh, several days, you know, I began to feel the weight of God's Word. You know, we, we believe that God's Word is living and active. And, and when you start doing devotions and you start getting serious about getting into God's Word, it changes you. It, it, it puts this pressure on you. And I, I believe it's the Holy Spirit putting His weight upon us and trying to teach us things. I felt that this week. So first of all, I had to preach this sermon to myself. Okay, it was a struggle. I, I'm a, I was a horrible audience to myself. But I just wanted to let you know that, that I preached it to myself, and I feel that God has laid it on my heart to give to you this morning. All right? So I personally struggle with humility. Here's the thing. I think all of us do, to a degree. I think all of us have personal struggles with humility. And why is that? Why do we all struggle with that? Well, it's because of this. We all struggle with pride. Um, pride is the opposite of humility. Everybody struggles with humility because everybody struggles with pride. There is this constant battle between pride and humility going on in our lives. It's like a tug of war on our lives. Anybody remember that game, tug of war? used to play when you were kids. Maybe you still play it. I don't know. That'd be weird if you're playing tug of war and you're older. But anyway, um, I remember this, uh, this guy back in high school. I went to Pound. Actually, it was in, in middle school, eighth grade. He, his name was Wallace Mullins. Okay? A lot of Mullinses over in Pound. But his nickname was Big Country. Okay? Big Country. He took up a lot of room, a lot of real estate. 6'4", 270 in eighth grade. So... Big Country was the guy to get when you play tug of war. So Big Country's job was to get at the end of the rope, and, and he would just sit down. And there was no way he was moving Big Country. You know, that's, that's how it is with pride in our lives. We, we want to be more humble. I think we do, right? 
I know I do. We, we want those things. Uh, but pride is so heavy. It's so big. It's such a big weight. When we're, we're pulling on it, it really doesn't seem to want to budge. That's because pride is such a big deal. Okay? Did you know that pride was the first sin? Eve did not commit the first sin. Adam did not commit the first sin. The Bible teaches us that Lucifer uh, committed the sin well before Adam and Eve. And he was an angel, the, the most majestic angel, but that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be high and lifted up. He wanted to be worshipped, and so pride built up in his heart. And, and so I want to ask you this. If pride can turn an angel into a demon, what can it do to you and me? Right? It, it, pride is such a big deal. First of all, pride robs us of joy in our lives. Pride robs us of joy. It, it affects our relationships. Any relationship and every relationship. Pride has the ability to destroy it. No relationship is off limits to pride. Uh, pride tears apart homes. Pride destroys marriages. Pride is the root of all disagreements and fights and arguments that you have. All of those can be traced back to pride. Pride also inhibits our work for God, right? God won't use a proud person. He won't. That's not the way God operates. Uh, it, pride keeps us from saying yes to God because we're too busy saying yes to ourselves, right? Pride won't, uh, you, uh, God won't use a proud person. Pride also damages our relationship with God. You know, God wants us to be humble people. God doesn't want us to be uh, prideful. And he wants us to be humble. And pride is this problem for everybody, right? It's a problem for all. And here's what pride does in the end. It enslaves us. It shackles us. It, it binds us. It puts handcuffs on us. But there is, there is good news. There is good news. Just as pride shackles us, humility is the key that frees us. Humility is the remedy to pride. Humility is the cure for sickness. Think about this. Humility preserves joy. It preserves relationships. It strengthens marriages. There are far fewer fights and arguments and disagreements when humility is involved. Then humility allows us to be used by God. Think about this. It, it frees us up to be effectively used by God. It primes us to be effective tools and vessels for God to use in this world. And then humility betters our relationship with God. You know, God knows our hearts. We can put on an image, but God really knows deep down who we really are. If our hearts are prideful, that hurts God. But if our hearts are humble, then that pleases God. Humility creates this fertile soil so that our relationship with God can grow and become more fruitful. 
Humility is the key that frees us from pride. Theologian John Stott says, Pride is our greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. Uh, It's just such a simple statement, but it's so profound. So God wants us to be humble people. He does. And I think we all have an idea of what humility is. I think we all, when I say humility, I believe that you're thinking about something. You probably have a have a, a, a little idea of what humility is, but I want to tell you, our definition of humility and the Bible's definition of humility can sometimes be different. Um, the Bible's definition of humility is, is pretty strict. It's pretty narrow. It's pretty uh, tied down and doesn't have a lot of wiggle room there. Okay, So let's look at how the Bible explains humility and Philippians chapter 2, hopefully you're already there, Philippians is a letter written by Paul, and the whole letter just gives us a feeling of humility. Paul is in a Roman prison when he writes this, and he doesn't complain. He doesn't say, woe is me. He he writes the letter out of love for others, out of love for a church. And so he writes them a letter of encouragement. So he explains humility to us, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. So Paul is setting this all up and he uses a lot of if statements here. If any of you have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, if, if any of you have experienced the love of Jesus, then I need you to be together on this. I need, I need you to be together. I need you to be unified. I need you to be on the same page. Well, for what? Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, there's three things that we can pull from these uh, verses that explain what humility is. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, value others above yourselves, and look out for the interest of others. Okay? Now, we can take those three things, and I believe we can boil them down into one thing. And that is, don't be self-centered. Don't be self-centered. Now, self-centeredness is such a, a big problem. We see it everywhere. We see it on TV, on the movies. We see it in our very lives. I mean, the politicians, our entertainers, um, our favorite sports Stars, um, we just see it everywhere we go. The, the world is telling us that we are the most important, that you are the most important, that the world revolves around you. One of my favorite athletes is Muhammad Ali. I really liked him, but he really had this arrogance to him, didn't he? But, man, he could back it up. You know, um, he said, I'm the greatest I'm the, who can make that statement, right? Um, Muhammad Ali wrote this biography, and it was called The Soul of a Butterfly. And in that, 
he uh, talked about his time on a plane where the stewardess kept getting onto him about putting on a seatbelt. He just refused to put on his seatbelt. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Right? And the stewardess looked at him and said, Superman don't need no plane either. <laughs> you know, so humility, I mean, uh, self-centeredness is, we see that in the most successful people, in the most popular people, don't we? But, but, we as regular folk, right? That's what we are. Regular, common folk. We have a tendency to be self-centered as well. You know, I struggled with this when I was younger. You know, being halfway decent in sports, halfway good-looking, whatever, you know. Had hair one time. Um, you know, you, ought, you have a tendency to be self-centered. And so I struggled with this, and I struggle with it now with my kids. You know, you know since my kids could start talking, they said these four-letter word, this four-letter word that kills me. Mine. Mine. It's mine. Right? The world revolves around them. It's such a big issue. It's such a big battle for us to fight. And it's such a big battle for us to engage in when we're trying to raise our children and our grandchildren not to be self-centered. What Paul is telling us here is to do the difficult thing. Think of yourself less. All right? Do the difficult thing. Think of yourself less. Why do I say it's difficult? Because it is. Right? That's just the truth. From birth, we have this natural tendency to, to say mine. And we can easily carry that with us up until we die. Do the difficult thing and think of yourself less. Now listen. Not think less of yourself. Right? Think of yourself less. You know, we are children of God. If you're a Christian, you are a child of God. You are precious and valuable to Him. But you think of yourself less. And that means this. We think of others more. Okay? We think of others more. We value and we esteem others and it's not that we have a low view of ourselves, but it's that we have this incredibly high view of others. And when we do that, we naturally start taking the focus off of ourselves. And we begin placing it on others. And so, listen, this morning, it's not just your view that needs to change, okay, about yourself. But it's your view of others. It's your view of others is what Paul is trying to get at here. It's not just about your view of yourself, but it's, it's about how you view others and value them. I want you to think about this with me. When we value and we esteem others and we hold others in high regard, who do we share that in common with? God. God. You know, God created all, didn't he? Yeah, Jesus died for all, didn't he? So when we have a, uh, an incredibly high view of ourselves, it's distorted because that puts a low view on others. But when we have a higher view of others, that uh, puts it in the right perspective. That puts us to have that in common with God. C.S. Lewis says this, A proud man is always looking down on things and people 
And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something above you. That's so true. So Paul clearly is explaining here that humility is moving away from a focus on yourself and, and moving towards a focus on others. So that's what humility is. Right? But some of us need a little bit more help, and Paul knew that, especially us guys, right? We, we need pictures with our books. Um, we need a little bit more explanation. So Paul offers that. He knew that we would struggle with that. Paul offers us an example. So let's look at humility demonstrated. Verse number five, in your relationships with one another. So you see that there, since humility is about others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Paul has already explained to us what humility is, and now he's saying this is what it looks like, and he gives us an example in Christ Jesus. Verse number six, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, let's pause just for a second, and let's talk about this. Uh, Community Heights Church, we believe something here. We believe that Jesus is God. Okay, can I get an amen on that? All right? God is not just a, Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is not just some miracle worker. But, but we believe that Jesus is God. Now, this is saying who? Being in the very nature, that word nature means form or mold. Who being in the very mold, God, did not consider equality with God. Notice it says, was not equal with God. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus is fully God, but Jesus never used his godly attributes to his own advantage. Verse number seven, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Paul gives us here this perfect example of humility, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And he wants us to get a grasp on this, so he gives us not one pictures of humility, but two. And the first picture is the incarnation, and that's what we're moving into the season of now with Christmas Time, the incarnation, God becoming flesh. Think about that. He made himself nothing. The king of heaven became a servant of the world. Think about that. The king of heaven left his humble abode and came and was born to ordinary everyday parents, humble parents, in a small, ordinary town. In a cave, right? Instead of being surrounded by servants and all of these people praising and worshiping, worshiping him at his birth, he was surrounded by farm animals. And as Jesus grew older, you would think, man, this, this is royalty here. People need to bow down and worship him and make him things and give him things. But yet Jesus chose to be a carpenter and make things for other people. The incarnation itself is humility played out for us. 
But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't stop with the incarnation. There's another illustration of humility, and it's the cross. It's the cross. You know, Jesus came to serve, right? He did. But ultimately, he came to give his life as a ransom for many, for many. You know, the God of heaven didn't just lower himself by becoming a, a man, but he also endured the pain, the shame, and the humiliation of the cross. You know, the purpose of the cross wasn't death. You know, the Romans were very good at executions. The purpose of the cross was humiliation, right? They were experts at humiliation as well. You see, the terms humiliation and humility, they're related. They're related terms. And Jesus did not use his godly qualities to his own advantage, but rather he restrained them in order to be humiliated. Why? Why did he do that? Because of his love and his value of others. So what the cross teaches us in regards to humility is this. Do the uncomfortable thing. Be willing to lower yourself. Do the uncomfortable thing. Be willing to lower yourself. Now, here's what I mean by that. How low are you willing to go? How low are you willing to go? M many of us say, well, I'll be humble. Yeah, I'll choose to be humble, but only so to a degree. Like we, we have preset levels. We've set the bar only so high. We'll say, I'll be humble. I'll display humility in my life, but only to a certain level. What is that for you? What boundaries, what boundaries have you put up for yourself? What limits have you placed? Listen, here's why I need to be real with you. Maybe it's telling somebody that you're sorry. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness, right? Maybe it's just talking to somebody that you normally avoid because you're holding a grudge. Maybe you have sin present in your life and you need to confess that not only to the other person but also to God. What is that boundary that you've set up? Many of us do it unknowingly. We just create these boundaries and we don't want to step outside of that because it's humiliation on our part. Many of us have these things that we don't do or we're not willing to engage in because, because of pride, right? And listen, that, that is a disgrace to the cross. Because in the cross, we see the king of heaven go from the highest high to the lowest low, all for the love of others. John Calvin, famous theologian and uh, one of the fathers of the Reformation, says, Since the God, the Son of God, descended from so great a height, how unreasonable that we, who are nothing, should be lifted up with pride. Now, lowering yourself means that you set aside your pride completely, completely for the sake of others. It's kind of like that game, Teeter Totter. I don't know why I'm referring to the old school games. It sounds like I went shopping at Cracker Barrel and something like that. 
you know, so teeter-totter and tug-of-war. But teeter-totter, when is the other person at their highest? When you're at your lowest. When you're on the ground. You know, uh, humility involves lowering yourself so that others can be lifted up. It's that simple. So we've seen humility both explained and demonstrated in Jesus. Well, what, were, what was the result of Jesus' display of humility? God honored that. God honored that. Let's look at verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen? I love reading that section of Scripture. Look, because Jesus set aside everything for the sake of others, because he restrained his power and he did not use it to his own advantage, because he humbled himself to the lowest place, verse 9 tells us that God exalted him to the highest place. And not only that, not only did God raise him to the highest place, but God gave him the highest name. The name above Jesus is above all names. You know, in biblical times, a person's name meant a lot, right? Had a lot of meaning. And a person's place meant a lot, where they were from. And sometimes those would go together, right? The name and the place that the person's from. Jesus is given the highest name. And elevated to the highest place by God the Father. Which is telling us that there's no one greater. There's no one higher. There is no one more honored than that of Jesus. And listen, the name of Jesus is so great that every knee, every knee in heaven or on the earth or in hell, every knee will bow and every tongue, that is every language out of the thousands and thousands of languages that exist now and that have existed previously, Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is amazing. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is high and lifted up. Humility honors God. And listen to me this morning. God honors humility. Humility honors God and God honors humility. If we want to be like Jesus, I hope that you do if you're a Christian. That's really who we want to be like. That's who we want to follow. If we want to be like that and display that type of humility, then we have to choose to be humble. We have to choose to be humble. Did you know humility is a choice? I know I think of several people in my mind that, that I think, man, they're just naturally humble. They were born with humility. That's not true. Nobody's born with humility. They might have certain characteristics that aid in the uh, humility process, right? Nobody is born with humility. It's something that you have to choose. Uh, look at verse 7. He made himself nothing. That's Jesus. Jesus chose to leave heaven and come to this earth. He made that decision. Nobody forced him. Verse 8. Jesus humbled himself. Hey, nobody made Jesus go to the cross. Nobody, nobody made Jesus die for you and for me. He chose 
to do that. Elsewhere in the Bible, it tells us to walk in humility, to clothe ourselves in humility, to put on humility. The same way that you chose what you're wearing this morning, some of you might have put on something and then changed your mind, right? And put on something else. Oh, that doesn't look good. This doesn't go together, so I'm going to wear this. you got option one and option two, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. That same decision process, we have that same decision to make with humility. We put on, we clothe ourselves, we display humility. It's a choice. Now, if it's a choice, listen, that tells us that it's a decision that we either choose to make or we choose not to make. You follow me? If humility is a choice, then we have that choice to either make it or not make it. What happens if you don't choose humility? Right? What happens if you don't choose humility? Look at James 4, 6, the first part. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Right? Proud just describes a person that is prideful. You might say, well, I'm not a proud person. I'm really not a proud person. Well, you may not be. But listen. Being proud is the same thing as choosing not to be humble. If you avoid humility in any area, then you are exercising some degree of pride. Okay? God opposes that. God opposes that. Now, that word opposes is a strong military word. It's not just like saying, oh, I'm against that, or I don't believe in that, or I, you know, I just don't think that's a good thing. That's not a verbal thing. It's action-oriented. In other words, God works against the proud. God fights against those who are not humble, and that's scary, isn't it? Being on the other side of God's righteous. Judgment is never a good place to be. So if things aren't working out so well for you, listen, you need to ask yourself this. Is there any area in my life that's overwhelmed with pride? Is there an opportunity where God wants me to display humility, but I keep sidestepping it time and time and time again? You need to ask yourself that. You need to be aware with that. Of that, if we don't choose humility, God is against that. Why? Why? Jesus went from the highest high to the lowest low for you, for me, for us, and for this world. And when we're not willing to even budge, not even just a little bit, that bothers God tremendously. And He will be against that he will be against us until we humble ourselves and we begin to see not only ourselves but we begin to see others the way that he sees them okay so what happens if you choose humility look at the second part of verse six god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble favor to the humble humility opens the door to god's favor We've already seen this pattern displayed in Jesus. He was lifted to the highest place and given the highest name. And I believe God will honor our humility as well. There's a famous verse in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Uh, Solomon is 
dedicating the temple in this scripture. And for many, many years, Israel had rejected God, right? They would come back to him, then they would let him down. Time and time again, God would forgive them. And so there's this, uh, there's this important time here in history at the dedication of Solomon's temple where Solomon dedicates not only the people but the temple to God. And this is God speaking in these verses. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You see the choice there? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. God honors humility. You know, land, that word land means territory. It means area. It means your area of influence. Let me ask you this. Do you want God to bless your territory? Yeah. Do you want God to bless your household? Man, I do. Do you want God to bless your family? Do you want God to bless your marriages? Do you want God to bless your life? Then we have to choose to be humble people of God. We have to choose that. Listen, the Bible teaches us, this verse teaches us as well as many others, that humility opens the door to God's best. So God's best, most often, God's best for us is on the other side of a humble choice. I'm going to say that again. God's best for you and for me, for us, is on the other side of a humble choice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down in your bulletin or wherever. How can I choose to show humility this week? How can I choose to show humility this week? week maybe throughout this teaching this morning maybe God's brought something to your mind maybe there's somebody right now that you're thinking about that you need to talk to maybe there's somebody that you need to forgive maybe there's somebody that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness maybe there's somebody that you need to talk to that you've avoided maybe there's a situation where you just need to be quiet because you talk too much Right? You don't have to have the last word. You don't have to be right all the time, right? What is that? What is that for you? How can you show that this week? Is there somebody that you need to acknowledge? Write that down. Listen, let's be the people of God. Let's be real Christians. Let's be real Christians. Real Christians are to be known for their humility instead of known for their pride and arrogance. Let's be the people of God. Let's be like Christ since we're Christians and let's lay aside the pride and let's choose humility knowing and believing that God's best for us is on the other side of that humble choice that we're about to make. Because humility honors God and God honors humility. Let's pray together. God in heaven, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the truths that are found in it. I thank you for the ability to 
see what you want us to see through your Holy Spirit. The areas in our life where we need to grow, the areas in our life where we need to to work on in order to become the people, the sons and daughters that you have called us to be. Father, just give us the encouragement. Give us the wisdom to make the right decisions when your word speaks to us in such a way. Father, may we choose to be humble this week, whatever that choice is. Maybe we'll be making that choice even as we go home today. I pray that you would give us just the wisdom to look at Jesus Christ hanging on a cross naked and realize the the links that he went through for the love of this world, for the love of others, and for the love of ourselves. May we see others as that valuable and realize that a humble choice honors you and you honor a humble choice. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.